gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry? Then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. Well, that intro is absolutely incorrect for tonight. I am your host for this evening. Dale Lippin is out. He had a family emergency, so please keep him in your thoughts and prayers. But hey, you are tuned in to the newest episode of the Punchless MMA podcast. Guys, I'm here to party. You got UFC Vegas 36 happening this weekend. Absolute murderous row of a card and probably one of the thinnest cards we've had in a while. So this is actually a great card for me to rip through with you guys because we've got nine fights. I don't really want to spend much time on what happened last week. Yes, we hit a bump in the road. Yes, we can't be on fire all the time. We like to think we are we are hot people. Like we are we are constantly just getting third degree burns, just touching every bet slip. But no, every once in a while, you have to have a little bit of reality check. And that's what we had. We had a little bit of a reality check. We did not come out profitable. But hey, we raised our hands and we said, you know what? Oops, a daisy. And what do we do? We move forward. I feel confident in this week. I'm excited. But let's kind of back it up for a second. Let's talk about, I don't really actually want to give it that much time. But we have to talk about Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley. I'm not really going to go down what is that circus. Um, what I am going to say is I feel really good about my decisions that night. I did not pay $65. I tried to illegally stream it. Yes, come after me. I tried. Um, I failed, though. Um, though. It literally was just crapping out every two seconds. I was getting all blurry images. So in defeat, I walked away and just kind of started to scroll, scroll through Instagram. I'd like tonight, I'd like to give a shout out. I'd like to give a shout out to a UFC fighter, Ricky Simone. Dude, you are a legend. The dude streamed the entire fight on Instagram. So if you saw Ricky Simone, he had views going through the roof all because he held that thing steady. He didn't have a tripod. He straight up held that towards the screen and got us the entire thing in crystal clear action. Was there much action? I don't really think so. Don't really want to talk about the circus, but I did want to say, hey, Two things. One, Jake Paul, you are very good at selling fights. I still don't believe you're a great fighter, but what he is doing, he's becoming the antithesis to Dana White. And I say that because when we talk about fighter pay, it's a huge issue. It's a huge issue. We know it's been a huge issue for a long time. He doubled down. So outside of him and Tyron getting a massive bag that weekend, the dude takes 50% of his earnings that night, 50% of his purse, and disperses it throughout that main card and gives incremental dollars to other fighters on the card. Takes a million dollars of his $2 million flat purse and distributes it. It's insane. Um, he gave Tyron some. He gave uh, Soriano uh, some, some cash for her absolute amazing fight. I mean, the only two people on the entire main card that said – Either A, they weren't given it because Jake Paul didn't like them, or B, refused it, were the two uh, Brits. So uh, Tommy Fury didn't get it because Jake Paul didn't want. And then uh, Du Bois said, I don't want it, even though Jake Paul had said, I'm not giving it to that dude. So 
outside of that, he shared the wealth. I appreciate that. I appreciate his sentiment at the end talking about bullying. I have a soft spot in my heart for that. But outside of that absolute circus, that's all I'm going to say about it. I do want to say a couple of things. We are brought to you guys by Stay Classy Meats. I know we talk about it every single week, but guys, I bought a tomahawk steak. Yeah. It's kind of a power move. I'm going to be honest. It's kind of a power move. When you buy a tomahawk steak, it is 1000% for show. Um, I think it tastes good, but let's be honest. You buy that and it sits in your freezer and you show your dudes that come over. You're like, hey, dude, check out this meat, you know, not gay, check out this meat, open it up. What do you have laying there? The tomahawk, the most badass man steak on the planet. Stay classy's running tomahawk steaks. You guys can get them. All you got to do is go to stay classy meats, type in that code fist, and you're going to get 10% off. I'm telling you, it looks so badass just sitting in my freezer right now. I probably am not even going to eat it this entire year just because it gives me so much like clout and makes me look so badass. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things in my life, I guess, that just kind of, kind of sit there. Um, great example. This mouth guard right here. Uh, I love Susu or Sisu, S-I-S-U. I love these mouth guards for jujitsu because I don't like the big, you know, fat ones for MMA because I can't talk and I like to talk. I'm a very vocal guy, as you can tell. This mouth guard's really great because you lock it in, it's got holes and you can speak, you know, pretty, pretty well with it. Um, the question is, well, Trey, why do you have this one that looks like it's brand new? It is brand new, uh, but it looks like it's been kind of sitting. Maybe it's got a little bit of dust on it. Why is it just sitting here? Are you, do you need a new mouth guard? Why do you have a backup mouth guard? Well, actually I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit scared. Um, so I have a SISU mouth guard right now and it fits perfect. There's a reason that it fits perfect in my mouth. So when you open up the instructions for this, it's pretty simple. It's a boil and bite, right? Everyone's had a boil and bite mouth guard. We're not sponsored by these people, by the way, and you're going to hear exactly why. Um, but yeah, you take it out of the package, boil some water, you throw the mouth guard in the boiling water, and then what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to take it out of the boiling water, throw it in some cold water, then gently conform it to your teeth. I didn't know that. I did not read that. I chose to just kind of think, well, you boil it and you throw it in your mouth. So um, about a year ago, I bought this mouth guard and I was all excited about it. I was like, finally one I can talk, talk to my fellow combatants uh, with. And I boiled it and immediately I grab it with a spoon, like what you do, like macaroni and cheese with. I put it in my hand. I was like, oh, fuck, hot, hot. And I shoved it in my mouth and I held it and I'm like, And I'm holding it and I'm like, I can't imagine everyone goes through this pain, but I'm holding it as hard as I can. I'm like, fuck, this thing was 40 bucks. I'm not ripping it out of my mouth. I'm not going to do it. So I'm holding it tight. I'm holding it tight. And then it fits. I pull it out and I just feel raw all over my top gum. I'm like, okay, this is not good. My wife happens to come home about 45 minutes later. I have my mouth kind of like this. I'm like, oh my God, I cannot let her see what just went down. She's going to think I'm such a fucking idiot. Little did I know we were supposed to go to a family party about an hour later, a little family barbecue gets to go together with her extended family that we maybe see every four months. So 
she comes in. She's, she notices I'm a little bit quiet. She's like, whatever. We jump in the car. We're driving. We get to a red light. And she's, why are you being so weird? I'm like, I'm not being weird. I'm not being weird. And then she's like, what, what are you hiding? And then I was like, all right, fine. So I go, and I show her my gums. They are straight up black. She freaks out. She's thinking I'm some type of meth addict or something like that. Like literally almost crashes the car. I feel so bad and embarrassed. But for two weeks, I had pretty much black gums, third degree burns all over the top of my gum. Having said that, it's the best fitting mouth guard I have ever had. This has been sitting on my desk because I'm too nervous to do it again. So I will Instagram live uh, my second attempt because I am due to have a new mouth guard. The, the old one's looking a little, little grimy. But yeah, uh, it's not like a t-shirt that you guys can just throw on. So speaking of t-shirts, we are also sponsored by Allegiance Clothing. Guys, it's not as hard as a mouth guard. It's literally, you buy it, you know the quality you're getting, you know the fit you're getting, you just drape it over yourselves and you look amazing. I say it every week, just like the meat. All you got to do is go to allegianceclothing.com, type in our code PUNCH, and that's going to get you 15% off site-wide. I love it right now. I'm wearing the don't tread on me. It's got the guns on it. Dale knows I've never shot a gun, but it makes it look like I have. So what up, Dale? Okay. We need to get into UFC Vegas 36. Guys, like I said, there is nine fights on this card. One actually just fell off um, about a day ago because of COVID-like symptoms. So I'm excited to jump into this. Um, there is no producer, Jake in today there is no dale like i had said so i'm manning all controls your comments are going to be tough to see but i'm going to roll with it but i'm going to go bottom to top because this is such a short card so on the first fight of the prelims we've got jonathan martinez coming in at a minus 160 versus marcelo rojo at a plus 130 over unders is set at two and a half okay it's insane that this is the first fight on the prelims i'm actually most excited about this fight up until obviously the co and, and main event of the entire night. This fight is fireworks. I wish Dale was here because this would be what I believe people's main event. This is going to be do or die, die on your shield. Jonathan Martinez. This dude was a seed farmer. He comes out of factory X. He's had some weight issues in the past. He kind of goes from bantamweight up to featherweight, kind of, you know, all over the place. Um, he's coming off his fight with Davy Grant. If you remember on that night, Davy Grant was just on a heater. His left cross was just psycho. There was no way he could get around it. But Jonathan Martinez is one of those people that's just going to move forward. Um, you know, Davy even looked great against, you know, Marlon Vera when he fought him. Davy's, I, I think he's a great fighter. So I think, you know, if you were to do a litmus test of where Jonathan Martinez falls to compete with the Davy Grants of the world, that says something. Marcelo Rojo, on the other hand, you know, this is, I think, his UFC debut. He's a combat, uh, uh, combate fighter, um, which, I, to be honest, I don't think that's that great of a league. Uh, sorry to all Brazilians and people out there. Um, but, yeah, Marcelo Rojo, you know, he comes in. He, he pushes a lot of pace. He's got a lot of volume. Good octagon control. He's going to switch those stances. You know, he'll go orthodox, southpaw, move back and forth. He opened up at a plus 220. That line since then has gotten way way closer as you can see at plus 130 i think that's a lot of people thinking that jonathan martinez he's one of those guys that kind of comes in and pulls to the pace of you know who his opponent is marcelo rojo is a guy who's going to push that pace but it's such an overt pace that jonathan martinez i think is going to be like a half a step behind 
I like inside the distance here because I do think that Rojo is going to overwhelm him, but that's not me saying I'm taking Rojo. I'm actually going to take Jonathan Martinez because I think even though he's probably going to take a little bit more of the damage, his output is going to be a little bit heavier and there's going to be a lot more power behind those punches. So I'm going to take Jonathan Martinez here, but more so than anything, I like inside the distance from this, especially that it's in the smaller cage, in the apex, two bodies close together. All right, moving right along, we're going to go into Dolce Lancambula versus Mark andre Barriolt. You know what's funny is when I was walking through this card, I was like, or when Dale said, I can't participate in this episode, I was like, watch. It's going to be every single name that I cannot pronounce. I struggle with the English language, let alone having to go say Dolce Lungambulia. Dolce Lungambulia. Dude's out of extreme couture. Judo black belt. If you guys have seen this guy built like a freaking tank. The dude eats tomahawk steaks on the reg. Tomahawk steak and some eggs. Dolce Lungambulia. He's got super heavy hands, but that muscle he carries. Now, when you look at people, you look at like, like a Dale. Dude, he's probably jacked. I've never seen the dude in real life, but when you carry around that mass and that muscle, you know, your cardio is just not going to be that good especially when you're going for judo throws and you're trying to do hip throws, you're trying to move in and out that wears on you throwing those looping overhand rights. As he does those winging shots, the cardio is going to dip Mark Andre on the other hand, coming from Sanford MMA. I like his cardio a little bit more, maybe because that dude's been popped for PEDs. He's done some drugs in the past, <laughs> sketchy past, whatever. He knows what he needs to do to get the job done. He switched classes a lot, though. He's gone middleweight, light heavyweight, heavyweight. He's also got heavy hands. He can look a little bit gassed in his fight as well, as can most heavyweights, but he stays in the pocket and he's super active. If you look at his you know, last fight was his round three win over Abu Azatar. That was super legit. He loves to push you up against the cage and he likes to wear on you a little bit, which makes me a little bit hesitant with Dolce Longambulia being that Dolce has that judo background. When you clinch up with someone like that and he's able to get his hip around, do a judo throw, exercise some ground and pound, especially in like a heavyweight type division, that's tough to escape. So I like Mark Andre because I think that he's got good spatial awareness in those clinches and good, you know, back foot balance so that he can't get flipped over. Um, I like him to, to weigh. I think that both these guys knowing where their cardio is, I, I don't think they're going to be coming out and swinging. I think that Dolce is going to know that Mark Andre is going to come in and try and wear on him a little bit. So I think he's going to want to feel him out. What's really interesting to me here is, and I don't believe the line's two and a half. So if that's what's coming across the screen, I believe this is one and a half. And if it's one and a half, I like the over. If it's two and a half, I like the under. I know that's a very narrow window, but I do think there's going to be a moment of feeling each other out. And I don't think Andre is going to be swinging for the fences like Dolce was. He's going to slow the pace down and get into that clinch area. I know, I know I said I would stop betting on Canadians. I've been on a cold streak for about a year now with the Canadians. I think the Canadians, and I know we have a big presence in Canada, so apologies before I absolutely shit all over uh, your guys' fighters, but I have not won a fight on a Canadian and I cannot even think. The best thing coming out of Canada right now is Canadian bacon. The fighters, not so much. So I am going with a Canadian here. I hope his wearing style goes. I like Mark Andre in this fight, but we'll see what happens. Over one and a half, if that's the play, that's that's solid as well. All right, 
Juicy J. All right. This is a fight that we talk about Juicy J all the time. I think we like to talk about Julian Arosa. We like to talk about Charles Jordan, but Julian Arosa because Juicy J is an in-your-face fighter. This is like primetime television. No, if like, hey, no one's ever watched MMA, at least come and watch a Julian Arosa fight because he will throw just everything up against the fence. I mean, this guy throws the kitchen sink. What, what makes it a little bit tough for Julian Arosa, though, is, is how to bet him. At a plus 155 right now, Jordan in a minus 185, over-unders at two and a half. Julian Arosa is a freaking coin flip for that guy. Coming out of Extreme Couture, he's someone that likes to take a ton of shots early. He comes in that first round, round and a half. He's going to take a ton of shots and a ton of damage. But his kind of game plan is take a bunch of shots. And then as it gets past like the one and a half and into the two and three rounds, that's where he starts to take over. He's got a lot of output, a bunch of volume. Um, I know it's a quick turnaround. I know this is a, it's gotta be a two month turnaround or something like that, where he's take TKO loss versus uh, Sung Woo Choi. That was pretty devastating, but Hey, you know, he's a fighter that's kill or be killed. So this is kind of just in his realm. Charles Jordan coming out of top team Canada. On the other hand, I know he's, he's, he's good. He's good. He's a, he's a Canadian that I actually think is very, very well-rounded. Um, the problem with me is he's a little bit of a cocky striker. He's that guy that's going to faint and he'll do that stuff with his hands where he kind of like pretends like it's karate or he's doing some Dragon Ball Z shit. Like, I don't know what that does. Maybe it's to distract, you know, from the rhythm that's happening in the fight. I don't like it. I like his nickname, Air Jordan. That's freaking, that's smooth. That's smooth as butter right there. Um, but Julian Arosa, I just like the psychoness that he brings. It's always exciting. I think a lot of people are going to be looking at this as Julian Arosa actually by decision, because I think Jordan, you know, he has a decent cardio tank, but his volume tends to drop off significantly after one and a half rounds. I actually seen Julia Rosa picks up the volume, picks up the points and gets it done by decision at plus 155. You can take a money line. Um, if you're going to take Jordan, I would take him by KO. I'd take him by KO. And if you want to get uber, uber uh, cute with it, you can do it in the first or second round. Because I think after after one and a half, I think it's going to go into Ju- uh, Julian Rosa territory. Um, Julian Rosa to me reminds me of that simpsons episode i love that simpsons episode where um homer he almost wins the heavyweight world championship of the world and beats mike tyson and the reason he does that is because he's so like brain dead that he goes in there and fighters are just like teeing off like doing combinations in like tenfold he's going 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 they get so exhausted that they're just swinging for the fences but like swinging in air and just going Uh, to the point where they're almost going to die of exhaustion. And then Homer just goes, that's not what Julian Rosen does, but he does do that for the first couple of rounds. People are teeing off on this dude. He wears him down and then essentially takes over with his volume. So I do like that. Um, but yeah, this, this fight, absolute fireworks going to be a really good one pumped for it. All right. Moving right along. This line is absolutely in Insane. I don't understand. I know last week we had a bunch of lines that were extremely, extremely wide, but this is a line that I think is just bonkers. I love Jack Shore. I think he's great. I've loved him, you know, from the moment he came into the UFC. I love his jiu-jitsu. I love his grappling. But at a minus 510 price tag, 
versus Ludwig Schulman. I know I butchered that last name at plus 360, over-unders at two and a half. That is a full-on prop play. That is a full-on prop play. Whether you're going to play Jack Shore inside the distance by sub, that's all you can do here. You know, surely if, if you guys don't remember who that is, he was on the Ultimate Fighter 29, the most recent one. He lost to Ricky Turgios, who just won, um, as we saw last week. That was a big uh, win for us, big win for Team Alpha Male. But uh, he, I think, got knocked out by uh, Ricky Turgios, and I could get absolutely skewered for messing that up, but he did lose. I can't remember how it was done. But Ricky's a tough fight, and we saw that in the Hyman fight. Ricky's a guy that comes in extremely unorthodox. He's explosive on his back in any way, shape, or form. It's That's a tough fight. Jack Shore is obviously going to be a little bit more blueprint. He's going to be a little bit more conservative in his approach. But I think he's also coming out for vengeance. He's coming over a split decision win over Hunter Azure. Um, I love his wrestling, um, but his BJJ is what sets it up. He's got great wrestling, and his wrestling is specifically not to just set up jiu-jitsu but it's specifically to set up his uh top pressure he's a guy that yes he could sub seek for sure but no he's got maintains insane balance he knows positionally where to set himself up where if he has an opportunity to exercise ground and pound he will he won't just seek for the neck the leg the arm whatever it is to add for submission no he's a smart fighter great fight iq um, and he's got heavy hands when he's when he's exercising that ground and pound. He'll start laying in those or raining down on those elbows. It's it's a tough it's a tough go with Jack Shore for sure. It's a great fight. I like Shore by sub. Um, obviously, I'm not touching it money line. I don't even like to say it. these wide lines. I'm not saying anything's a strict parlay piece. Uh, that's probably one of my more confident plays for sure of the night. But. Ludwig actually didn't look bad against Ricky and coming off something super unorthodox where you're just getting a bunch of different, you know, looks, you know, always makes it interesting, especially on the feet. If Jack Shore can't get the wrestling going and Ludwig, who I don't believe is going to start teeing off from striking, it could get close. Regardless, play a prop play in here, get in the weeds, get a little cute. Jack Shore is for sure the way to go here. All right. First women's fight of the night, Molly McCann, the meatball. Dale loves the meatball. He loves him some meatball. I don't know if it's the nickname. It can't be for the wins because she's coming off two losses. Um, but Ji Young Kim at minus 115. This is a pick. I'm over under in rounds at two and a half. This is an interesting fight. Ji Young Kim is massive uh, for who she is. Um, she is going to come in, I believe, with – she's not only going to be three inches taller, but she comes in with a 10-inch reach advantage what's interesting about ji young kim is just google her and her accolades she has every belt across every mma facet there is if it's muay thai jiu-jitsu um krav maga whatever you go down the line she has a belt and it's like a high ranking belt in every facet so you would look at it something like that and be like wow ji young kim is probably the most well-rounded chick i've ever seen in my entire life the interesting thing, though, is when you watch Ji Young Kim fight, she never exercises anything but just boxing. And when I say boxing, she's not doing any kickboxing. There's no kicks in her fights whatsoever. She doesn't try and shoot for any wrestling, doesn't try any hip throws, any of that stuff. She literally fires from distance, 
peppers like a Caitlin Chukagan. And I don't even want to say she has good movement because she does not move laterally. She moves forward and back and she is susceptible to getting shot on and getting taken down. Molly McCann, the meatball, she is going to come in the heavier chick. We know that. She's coming from Generation MMA. Two losses, like I said. She's supposed to be a boxer, but she never utilizes it. If you look at all of her fights, she actually is shooting for that double. She's trying to wrestle. But the problem is, and we talked about this earlier, is when you exercise shots, especially if you're not getting them, that wears in her cardio tank. And we see Molly McCann not having a good cardio tank, tends to erode after about one and a half rounds. If she secures the takedown, she's great. She utilizes that boxing. She lays it down and she can ground and pound herself to a, to a pretty significant win. Ji Young Kim though, I think if we started to see her exercise her different accolades, if I got to see her utilize her jujitsu, if I got to see her use her wrestling, hell, if I got to see her use, you know, some Muay Thai and actually get into some clinch area and use some knees, I'd be all about it. I think that the range that she possesses and the traits, if they are true as to what is all over the internet, I would think she's a very well-rounded fighter and someone that could be a problem in the division. I haven't seen it. I don't plan on seeing it. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going Molly McCann here. On two-fight lose skid, your back's up against the wall right here. You don't have that much of a fan base outside of your freaking nickname. But I do think she is going to be the stronger chick. Give me some meatballs. I'm all about Molly McCann in this fight. Women's, I can't even say underdog because we're going to pick them here, but being that she's on a two-fight win skit or loss, I think that uh, Ji Young Kim is, I think come fight time, Molly's going to get some plus money. Um, so I'd wait for it. I think when people understand at weigh-ins, Ji Young Kim, how big she really is, I think that's going to pose a lot of concern. You're going to see a lot of sharp money coming on Ji Young Kim. But I do like uh, Molly McCann in this fight. I don't like under two and a half for sure. <laughs> Stay over. Uh, this will either be a decision on both on one of the parties, but I'm going Molly McCann. All right. Here we go. This fight people have been talking about for some time. Luigi Vendermini versus Patty Pimblett. Luigi Vendermini at plus 110, Patty Pimblett at minus 140, over under and rounds is set at two and a half. Why do I say that people have been wanting to hear about this fight for a very long time, or they've wanted to see this fight for a really long time? I don't think it's because the, um, there's any animosity between the two. Um, I more so think it's because people think that Patty Pimblett is the second coming of McGregor. Um, he's not from Ireland. He does have the name Patty, but he has had a, uh, European following for some time. This is a guy that actually was offered an opportunity, I believe two years ago to come to the UFC and actually said, no, he's like, no, I'm not ready. I want to build an insane fan base overseas. I want to continue to hone in on my craft. And then I want to come over and take over. What's interesting about Patty Pimblett is not only does he bring what is skill, he brings, my man brings the looks. This dude he is a former cage warrior champ. He's out of next generation. He's a no gi grappler, insane maniac. I say that he brings the looks because he kind of looks like Spicoli um, or maybe like a more not as attractive Uriah Faber, uh, but way taller. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's fighting Luigi, who 
I immediately don't like um, because of his nickname. You can't call yourself the Italian Stallion. That is off limits. You cannot call yourself Italian Stallion and flaunt that. I mean, the dude I doubt is from South Philly. I doubt anyone in his corner is named Mick. And I doubt that he has the heart that the true Italian Stallion has. But what will be interesting and what will be on full display is his heart in this fight because Patty's had a lot of hype. He is extremely dangerous, like I said, on the ground. But Luigi, he is a guy that is usually more comfortable in his fights in the takedown and the grappling. But when you know you're going against a no-gi no jiu-jitsu like freaking stud, what's the last thing you want to do? You don't want to go to the ground. I know that Luigi likes to set up his striking and get it to the ground, but he needs to stay away from that. I think that he is more well-rounded. I think he's going to have the better striking. I think he's going to have the better fight IQ. I think he's going to have the better footwork. But I'm so freakishly worried that this thing's going to end on the ground, especially that it's in the apex, that it makes me want to side with Patty a little bit here. I I mean, it, even in striking, you got to look at you know quality of competition. We always talk about it, quality of competition. Uh, uh, Faraz Zim, uh, who Luigi had just fought, has an amazing. I mean, Faraz has a, a wonderful striking. Uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, in his holster, he's he's a great striker. Luigi was doing fairly well until it started to get to the last rounds where he started to like gas a little bit. But Patty, I don't think he's going to want to even try and, you know, you know, stick and move, stick and move. He's going to try and close the distance quickly, exercise some clinch work and get this thing on the ground. So I think Luigi has a path to winning this fight. Um, Over two and a half makes me scared because I think Patty being that's the bright lights, granted there is no crowd, but it is bright lights. It is UFC. You have been talked about for a while. I think that's going to weigh on you a little bit. I think he's going to be a little bit nervous and it's going to drain his cardio, especially if you're shooting in for those doubles, like we had talked about pretty much this entire card. Um, But I think that Luigi has a path here at plus 110. I really, I really do. I'd like him to mix it up. I'd like him to utilize a little bit of like Muay Thai in there. Really try and, you know, he is strong in the clinch. So I don't think Patty's going to easily get him down. I'm going to, I'm going to take Luigi right now. I'm not going to go with the height. I think at plus 110, that's a great price uh, for someone that I do believe is more well rounded. I'm going to take him here. I will say, if you want to play Patty, play him by sub. For sure. Play him by sub. That is his path to victory for sure. And when he goes for submissions, guys, his transitions, it's not like, oh, hey, I can hang out here for a second. It's like I I move with violence. I move with violence. So, yeah, Patty by sub, you're going to play there. I'm going to play for the time being Luigi uh, Vendermini, just just straight money line, plus 110. That seems a little juicy. All right, Modestus Bukowskis, next fight, minus 160 versus Khalil Roundtree at plus 130. Over-unders set at one and a half. All right, I'm pretty sure we talked about this last time. Khalil Roundtree, I thought he retired. When I saw his name, I texted Dale. He did not get back to me. I said, dude, I thought he retired. I thought we talked about Khalil's chick being a smoke show, that lives and he lives on an island. He's living his best self. He doesn't really need to do this. It's kind of whatever. I thought that's what was happening, but now we see him here against Modestus Bukowskis. 
you know, Khalil, as you know, and as we've seen back even from Strike Force days, the guy's a he's a stud and he looks he looks like a stud, but he's been on the decline for some time. He's coming out of syndicate MMA. Um you know, his last fight, obviously, you remember, was a unanimous decision lost against Marcin Prakniel. He essentially, in that fight, after just the start of the second round, just quit and just was not in it. Um, he is someone that needs to, you know, focus on his shots. He's someone that when he he picks his shots, but when he does, he does with ill intent. He'll move forward. You kind of wanted him in that second and third round to let his hands go a little bit. He chose not to and literally just kind of said, I'm, I'm done. Um, I, I think that Modeskis is a guy though, that he, he's a little bit controversial. Um, you know, obviously coming off his last fight, his split against, uh, um, Jacek, a lot of people thought that he had won that fight. Um, you know, I think that he, I think he lost, that was my own, my own thing, but you know, prior to that, he was uh, knocked out by Jimmy Crute. So, I mean, he's had the quality of competition there. You could make a case that he's uh, two and one or one and two, depending on his last three. Um, but I think Khalil is going to come in. He's still going to do what he normally does. He's going to swing for the fences after he selects his shots, which is going to take down his cardio. And I think the Modestus Bukowskis, I think that he's he's good on his feet. Um, he's I think he's enough to deal with the barrage that Khalil's going to throw at him. I do think that um, if he does get on his back, he's good off his back. He can move. He's elusive. Um, and when I say he's elusive, he's someone that if you were to take him down, he's very quick to get his back up against the cage, get his knee up, stand up. He's not someone that accepts something. He he is very active off his back. I think that Cleo Roundtree at plus 130, while that does seem a little bit enticing for someone that has heavy hands, um, I just, I don't like it. I actually love in this fight more than anything, the over one and a half. I think actually this is more of a decision play. I'm going to say it's going to be pretty boring. I think both guys are going to be a little bit reluctant to throw um, any volume out there. If they do, um, it will be a barrage, but it'll be very short. And I do think that it's going to be spread across, you know, a couple of rounds. So over one and a half seems like the play here. I'm not going to choose a winner because, Cleo Roundtree just seems to keep screwing me over. And I, I, who knows, maybe, you know, had a couple too many margaritas and said, Oh man, I got to get back in the octagon here. I'm getting a little, little hefty and I'm going to get a, you know, a win, a fight and win bonus here. Let's uh, go back and have some more margaritas. I don't know, but I like, I like the over one and a half in here. Speaking of guys that are active, Alex Morono, the great white, Okay, so Morono to me is becoming the what would you call it? the third cometh, the third cometh of fighters that stay ready, to be ready, are, are ready to go. Alex Morono is like an Angela Hill or a Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Short notice fights don't don't scare him. Um, he's ready to go at moments notice. Um, you know, this was a short notice fight, obviously for Alex Morono. Um, the problem with betting Alex Morono is he's a win one, lose one type fighter. You know, sure. He looked good in his last fight against Donald Cerrone, but let's be honest, who doesn't look good against Donald Cerrone at this time? Um, you know, I think that he's, <laughs> this is a tough one, man. 
he's coming off a win. So you would think, oh man, he's going to, this is, this is the loss. I mean, literally when you look at the ebb and flow on his record, it is win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Um, I think Zawada coming out of American top team, his loss to Ramazan Aziv is not bad. Ramazan Aziv, you could put him in the top 15 against anyone. He gives everyone an issue. Um, yes, it was unanimous decision, uh, but he's got good kickboxing. He's able to wrestle with some of the best. Um, he leaves himself really open, though, when he strikes, and that's what makes me nervous. When he kind of strikes, he opens up his hands, which means it leaves his body open. Alex Morona, if we saw anything, especially in the Cowboy fight, he's able to mix it up, go high, go low, exercise the body. I think Zawada can be dangerous in the ground and pound, which I'd like to see him exercise a little bit. Um, I just don't see this going to the ground because I think they both respect each other on the ground. They both have legitimate wrestling. They both have great ground and pound. So I do see this being more of a striking affair. Um, I, I'm going to take Morono at minus 150. I, I see... I honestly see this getting a little bit deeper from Morono. Um, I, I like also under two and a half, being that it is short notice. Um, yeah, I I'm going to take Morono on this. I'm going to I'm going to take him. I'm going to think he's going to put two wins together, see what we can do. But I'm not putting much you know effort or mindset into the Cerrone win. But I am doing it, and he did have great output. And he did seem very light on his feet. He wasn't plodding as much. A light on his feet, Alex Morono with heavy punches and an open body of David Zawada. I think there's something to be said there. I'll take him. Straight money line. Um, but yeah, that'll be an interesting one. This next fight, I kind of talked about it at the beginning of the show, hence why the card keeps getting thinner and thinner. But Ariana Lipsky uh, was, to, was supposed to take on uh, Manny Baum. This fight fell through. Um, Mandy apparently two days ago uh, was feeling COVID-like symptoms. So uh, that fight fell through. I believe it got shifted to the September 18th card. But um, I'll just tell you right now, I was going to take Mandy. I know it's a UFC debut for her, but Ariana Lipsky, the queen of violence, is more the queen of boredom. Uh, did not see that working out very well for her. Um, so yeah, nothing to really talk about there, but we will talk about that card in a couple weeks what we can talk about though caucus mountain warrior sergey spivak at plus 200 versus uk zone tom aspinall at minus 255 over under and rounds is set at one and a half all right this card like i said is riddled with canadians and europeans this card was supposed to be over in europe Hence, you know, the, the heavy set, uh, UK amount of people on the card, uh, Canadians. I'm not sure how that really fits in, but you know, whatever, um, this card is Canadians in UK. Everyone loves Tom Aspinall. If you're from the UK, uh, Tom's a threat. Uh, I always say you're as best, you're as good as your team is. You could be an absolute stud, but if you don't surround yourself with the right people and you're not pushing the limits, in maybe spots that you're not as good at, or maybe you feel a little bit eroded or, uh, um, you know, it's just, it's just not your cream of the crop. Uh, who you surround yourself with makes all the difference. Tom Aspinall, he's a BJJ black belt. I feel like we don't get to see that very much, but it's there. Um, unless they're giving out fake belts in the UK. I don't know, but I think it's there. 
What people like to talk about, though, is how his hands have evolved. The reason they have evolved is it actually pays a little bit of homage to who we saw on Sunday um, in the Tommy Furies of the world. Tom Aspinall trains from a striking perspective with the Tyson Furies, with the Tom, Tommy Furies, with the whatever the other freaking brother is, surrounds himself. He's a body in front of those guys, and he's a guy that takes and sees and enacts all these different looks from a boxing perspective. So you have to think when you're training with those guys, your hands are so evolved and so good. Um, Sergey, here's the thing. Spivak, we have been on him for a long time. He is the definition Cox Mountain Warrior. He's got that blonde hair. He's got that kind of straggly beard. That's not really a beard, but it's more like just a, a, a shit ton of, um, of peach fuzz. Um, he's got that unique tattoo that we don't really know if it's part of some type of mob or uh, where was it done? Why was it placed there? Uh, he's scary. He, he definitely trains with some Yeti in a hole um, in the cold weather. That is Sergey Spivak for sure. When we watched him fight um, Alexi Olenek, we all knew um, what Alexi brought to the table. He is a guy that kids sub you, that get that anaconda choke. He can do it standing. He can do it on the ground. But we knew that Sergey was smart enough to get away from that. We also thought that he was comp comparable, competent, competent. <laughs> I need a, I need a drink. One second. We knew he was confident. Jeez. We knew he was confident in his jujitsu enough to negate what Alexi was giving out, and he did that, and he pieced him up on the feet as well. He got the unanimous decision. I know it was an old guy, but it's an old guy that it was a threat. And it was actually an old guy who was extremely motivated and thought he was actually going to make a run. That did not happen. I think that Sergey is going to be the better wrestler in this. I think Tom is going to have the better striking. I like Sergey though. I think that he's comparable on the ground. I think he gives a lot of looks and a lot of um, exploding power as it relates to his striking. It's probably not going to be as crisp as Tom's, but in the madness, in the apex cage, and exercising a better wrestling tactic up against the cage, elbows, tie clinch, whatever it may be, I think Sergey is going to be a little bit more wearing. Tom likes to work from distance. So what are you going to do when some guy closes the distance on you and kind of lays over you and drapes? I think that Sergey is going to get it done. I think, man, I'm loving these one and a halfs. I'm going to go over one and a half here. I think that Sergey slows it down a little bit with his wrestling. And I don't think Tom's going to get it done with heavy hands via striking. I think if he's going to get it done, it's going to be, I don't think he's putting uh, Sergey out. I don't, I could almost see this thing going to decision. I know that's absolutely wild, but I love the over one and a half. And I'm going to take the plus money on Sergey. Cox mountain warriors for life has not failed us just like women's uh, underdogs. It's science at this point. You, everyone knows it's not fake science. It's real science. All right. Last fight of the entire night. Derek Brunson taking on Darren Till. Derek Brunson at a plus 150. Darren Till at a minus 180. Over under set at a whopping four and a half. All right. Darren Till, the gorilla, the greatest guy on Instagram. The I love how he just talks so much shit on Ariel um, and his nose. And anyone that talks shit on Ariel has a soft or a special place in my heart, but Darren Till um, has been away for a very long time. I can't even remember how long ago, but I remember 
as do all of you, his fight against Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker, absolute freaking stud. I think soon to be champ once again. But his fight with him, while it was a unanimous decision, Darren Till was in that fight till the end. He was selective with his shots. And at moments notice, we thought that maybe Darren Till could get it done. So much so that Darren Till in that fight actually uh, floored him in the first round. Got got uh, Robert Whitaker on his butt, stunned him. Yeah. Um, he's also fought, like when we talk about quality of competition, Derek Brunson, yes, he's been more active. Yes, he's had great wins. He's had very dominant wins as of late. But Darren Till, this dude's fought not just like the cream of the crop, but he's fought some of the people that I think most people are scared of. He's fought Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I still say this today. There's nobody that actively wants to fight Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I know he didn't have a, la- a good go in his last run, but he's so unorthodox. That karate style throws you off. You can't get inside. His range, his, his range, his length, all that stuff. It's a tough fight, and he, and he handled it. Derek Brunson, let's look at his recent wins. Elias Thoradou, that guy, there's a reason he's not in the UFC. He was only in the UFC because he was good looking. That was it. He is the most boring fighter on the entire planet. He did not want to fight. And when he did fight, it was nothing special. So he gets clipped. Ian Heinish. How many times have we bet against Ian Heinish as of recently? A lot. His his fight versus Imovov, that was my biggest lock, I feel, of the past like five months. Ian Heinish is not the fighter he once was. Um, He's very one-dimensional and... I don't put much stock in that whatsoever. And then Edmund Shabazian. Yes, the golden boy. We thought, you know, this was a guy, this was going to be a clash of styles. But what did Derek Brunson do? Derek Brunson went into that fight and said, okay, let's see what this guy does in a wrestling. I know he's going to have amazing striking. I know he can put people out. Let's wrestle him. Let's, let's, let's hold control. Let's see what happens. Drowns him. Then he takes on um, Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland, another one-dimensional fighter. Another fighter that has no idea what he's doing on the ground at all. What does Derek Brunson do? Wrestle deaths him all day long. Holds control for what? 17 minutes of the of the 25-minute fight or something ridiculous? Yeah, absolutely absurd. He sees the voids and exploits it. That's something I do like of Derek Brunson as of late. He's not winging as many shots. Yes, maybe he's winging shots to get in, but it's to enact a game plan. It's not just doing it to be wild and crazy. Darren Till is way more well-rounded than any one of those four people I just talked about. Darren Till has an 83% takedown defense. He's a guy that you're not going to be able to take down with ease. He's a guy that's going to cause problems standing. He's got good feints. He's got good looks. Not talking about his actual features. I'm talking about the way that he presents his striking is really daunting to people that are standing in front of him. He's rangy. He's selective. His overhand left, his cross left, they're all super gnarly. But he's not a guy that's going to be putting a lot of output. Much like I said in the Robert Whitaker fight, he's going to be selective with his shots. So if he's selective with his shots versus a Brunson, who's probably going to be a little bit timid standing and maybe try and wrestle and get this thing up against the fence and get Darren Till down to exercise some ground and pound, that's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to slow the fight down considerably. Originally, I thought this fight was at three and a half. It was at three and a half. I was loving the over three and a half on this fight. It's set at four and a half, which makes me a little bit nervous. I think that Darren Till being away for a while, I 
you know, who knows, you know, that's a huge X factor right there. Derek Brunson, he, he can wing shots. So honestly, what I like in this is I like Darren Till because I do think that Darren Till's very, very good at staying on his feet. And I think when it comes to technical striking and chopping away at someone, I think that Darren Till is going to be able to do it. And Derek Brunson is just going to be a half step behind the entire fight. I don't think it's going to be a, a fireworks fight. I actually think it's going to be a very slow fight. I think it's going to be very methodical. But I like the gorilla to get it done. I think this is a good dip back into the UFC career. Um, but yeah, I think if you're going to play Brunson, I'd play him in the early rounds. Um, I think as it gets later, that's only going to more suit Darren Till. So sprinkle on the couple first couple rounds. Um, I think Brunson, if he's able to take it down, Darren Till's going to have issues, but I just don't see that happening. I think he's got too good of takedown defense. Okay, guys, those are our breakdowns for UFC Vegas 36. Um, sorry, Dale was not in. Obviously, keep him in your thoughts and prayers. Um, he, uh, he's he got a lot going on, but uh, we missed that dude. Uh, we'll be back next week. I believe that um, when... He comes back next week. We're back onto a pay-per-view. I don't know if that's right. Um, all I know is we'll be back. Um, like I said, I'm going to live stream me doing this mouth guard. Um, so if I fuck up again, uh, we will all endure my pain. Um, we appreciate all of you guys listening. Um, again, thank you for uh, putting up with me for what is almost 50 minutes talking to myself. And if you noticed, I was so in the zone that I didn't even drink my drink. Look at this thing. I was doing Cutwater Margaritas. I was really excited about it. They are also not sponsoring us. So if you are on Instagram, go on Cutwater, and I want you to tag the shit out of them. I want you to go, you guys need a sponsor, Punchless MMA. And guys, if you get them to sponsor us, or if they do sponsor us, we will do giveaways with Cutwater Margaritas. I don't care if you're 21. I don't care. I will ship you one of these and then I will blame it on Dale. I will find a way around it. Uh, he knows all the legal jargon and, and uh, bird law and all that good stuff. So yeah, I appreciate you guys again, putting up with me tonight. Uh, our plays again, will be out. Uh, this is an early fight, by the way, I just want everyone to be aware of that 10 AM. I believe Pacific is when the first fight goes off on the prelims. So you will literally be waking up, pouring that first bloody and then the fights are on. So be aware. We'll have our fights um, as early as possible. I'm thinking around 7 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit on weigh-ins. Possibly we'll do uh, bets and brews on fight night or on uh, weigh-in night. But yeah, again, appreciate all you guys. Thanks for the support. And we will talk to you at another time. Buying, buying. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 